I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the GTA 5 to my GTA 6. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, Justin, can you smell that? Can you smell it in the air? It's sacking season, baby. <laughs> it's sacking season, all right. If December is the season to be jolly, November must be the season to sack your manager, as we're finding out once again here in the championship. Of course, I'm referring to news which hasn't come out yet of Rotherham as we are recording right now. But reportedly, it seems like Matt Taylor is set to lose his job there. And then what's happening at Norwich with David Wagner? Who bloody knows? But you know what? I'm excited in a sick kind of way, Justin. Yeah, well, you're just that way inclined, aren't you? You're a bit of a bit of a sicko, a bit of a sacko, if you want to use a bit of a play on words. Pretty, pretty, pretty terrible one, but yeah, it's second season, of course. We don't know what's going on, but everyone's getting ready for Christmas. Everyone's getting ready to sack the manager. You are right; it's that time of year. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> some managers are getting the sack now, a full month earlier than Santa terrible is timing. unloading his sack. Um, kind of a weird way of connecting those things together but you get my <laughs> point so welcome to the number one championship podcast the second tier thank you for joining us wherever you are yes we will we'll talk about that matt taylor potential news in the uh, later on in the show but first we're going to focus on the promotion race because boy has it been a groundbreaking weekend in that regard so we'll talk about that very shortly also talk about all the all the games from the championship this past weekend do the polls near the end of the show and then we've got Simon Grayson's hateful eight to wrap things up so let's kick things off with Leicester City who have lost twice in a row they were beaten 1-0 away at Middlesbrough thanks to a stunning free kick by Sam Greenwood. More on that shortly. Finn's three-word review for this Michael Carrick masterclass. Adam's review for Leicester. Not good enough. And it was 13 wins from 14. Now back-to-back defeats. So what's changed, Justin? The wheels have come off. That's what's changed. It's delirium. Ooh. No, I'm joking. Ooh. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, I was going to say. <laughs> I definitely haven't put that in my notes. I just wanted to throw that statement in there. Um, yeah, it's concerning, isn't it? And perhaps more so the manner of defeat. I just think it's the fact that they've played two good forward-thinking sides back-to-back in Leeds and Middlesbrough. Um, and they've sort of played a similar way. And that's really worked against Leicester in this in this um, scenario. And of course, it's a case of not taking chances, which is more so the point in this Middlesbrough game than it was Leeds last week. They didn't create too much against against Leeds, but against Middlesbrough, they had two really good chances from Mitty Nacho, didn't take them. And then it was <laughs> the most reckless of challenges, um, 30 yards out, giving Middlesbrough a chance, um, a, a slim chance of getting that free kick in that top corner. And, and they did it well, but... Yeah, the wheels definitely haven't come off, but they've come across they've come across two teams who have played similar ways against them and they've not come up 
with an answer. And that's that's more the concern for me, but I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, that Hamza Chowdhury free kick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clatter and a half. You can really argue with that one, can you? Um, I'm not worried, personally. I think if you look at these two games in isolation, they lost to a lead side who are unbelievable on the day. That was Leeds in top gear. And then they lost to Middlesbrough thanks to one moment of brilliance with that Sam Greenwood free kick. They're not going to win them all. It's just not physically possible. It is slightly worrying how little they created in an attacking sense in those two games. They did have a couple of decent chances against Borough, but they mainly came from Middlesbrough's, you know, loose passing at the back. But at the end of the day, Leicester have got too much talent for this to be a long-term concern. I mean, the next two games after the international break are Watford and Sheffield Wednesday, which is quite a different prospect to Leeds and Middlesbrough, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I don't want to centre too much on the team being too good to not lose because I don't think that's the case because we've seen teams before come down and, and, and struggle. We saw Scott Parker's Fulham ball their way to promotion. That's possible. I just think the fact that Leicester have come up against two teams who have been so rigid and disciplined out of possession, that's what's really been the, the case in these two defeats. Um, and like I said, whilst they didn't create an abundance of chances, they still had two really good chances with Ian Acho that he should have put away he really should have put away and it's the games against the good teams where you're not going to get an abundance of chances and you've got to take them when they come and they didn't and Middlesbrough and Leeds both took theirs that's the key thing here but yeah it's, it's not a, a huge concern and you got two weeks off now to, to reset and go again and usually that works for good teams and Mareska's I think it was the whole game that happened just before the international break came back or in and around the international break they came back and they went again and I think that's the key thing you've got to got to reset and go and, and they will do because they're, they're a good side coached by a good manager yeah and despite losing two games in a row they haven't been playing poorly but we are still yet to see this Leicester team in top gear I, there was a period just before the last international break where I looked at it and thought they were getting there but obviously that's not happened However, them not being in top gear yet, you can look at it in two different ways. You can say, well, they've not hit top gear, but they've still got a record number of points after 16 games. That shows how good this side is. Or you can say, well, maybe they've not hit top gear yet because it's not gelling as well as it could be and the results could catch up with performances. I'm definitely on the side of the former in that respect because Mm. even though they haven't been sensational so far in terms of performances, even though the results have been sensational, hard to differ between the two but there is, there is a difference in this case I, I do think that this is just part of the process we're still getting used to how Maresca wants to play yeah. but still being incredible at the same time so not overly concerned despite the two losses I've got to say Justin let's talk about that Sam Greenwood free kick because that was glorious, wasn't it? Fucking was. It was beautiful. It was absolutely <laughs> spectacular. I will point out the referee dropped a clanger in not allowing the advantage as well. Because you're considering how far out the free kick is and how advanced Middlesbrough got on that advantage and the referee brought it back. I thought he thought he dropped a bollock there, but no one's going Maybe to talk about it. Maybe he knew, Justin. Maybe he's a Sam Greenwood super fan. Um, yeah. And that's why he gave that free kick. That definitely was a free kick. But nonetheless, it was a beautiful, beautiful hit. From that far out, to hit a, hit a free kick that sweet, that hard, that high, that consistent in its trajectory into the top corner is, is wonderful technique. And um, I, I read that Middlesbrough have got a one and a half million pounds option to buy Sam Greenwood and Kieran Scott as well and truly had leaders pants down with that because that would be a snip 
a one and a half million pounds if he can keep delivering quality like that. And he's been, aside from that free kick, he's been a good uh, a good asset for Boer so far this season. It wouldn't even be a snip, would it? It'd be, you know, getting a machete and just const, you know, just one a hack. swift chop. One hack. swift hack. Yeah. yeah, that's what it would be. A chowdery hack. Yeah, I would be ripping your arm off if I was at Kieran Scott of Middlesbrough in that particular scenario. I didn't know he had that in his locker, to be honest, but Michael Carrick said after the game that he had been practising them on the training ground and it's clearly paid off all that practice that he's been doing. It's his fourth goal in six games now as well and he is turning out to be a cracking signing, even on loan for them. If they get them permanently, then wow. I mean, his introduction to the team has pretty much coincided with Borough's big upturn in form because he's been brilliant even when the other attackers haven't been as on it Isaiah Jones and Matt Crooks' form has been a bit up and down while Josh Coburn needs a good few chances to score but Sam Greenwood has been doing it in pretty much every game and that's why he's been such a phenomenal signing for Borough so far 22 points from their last available 27 for Middlesbrough and out to 10th two points off the playoffs only Ipswich and Leicester have picked up more points over the last 10 game weeks than them. So how impressed have you been with Michael Carrick's big red boys, Justin? <laughs> These big red boys. Yeah, they they they've been um they've been good. They've been they've been good. I know we know that they can get better and we know that they've got a quite a new squad uh, at their feet. Um, I mean, you just mentioned Sam Greenwood. There, it's a new signing. There's been a lot of new signings, so it's it's a new new set of players that needs to be blended in by Carrick, and I think he's managed it quite well because we all thought that they were onto a you know onto a poor season not too long ago. But yeah, the turnaround has been miraculous. Not miraculous, actually. I think that's a, a too strong a word. It's been efficient and it's been good. But we know that they can get better, and I think I think that's impressed me over the last few games is how much they have improved out of possession. Because again had large spells without the ball against Leicester. You're going to have that. They stayed disciplined. They stayed controlled. Um, and they took their opportunities when it came in, in, in breaking forward. It was a real, real good performance. And I think that's the only thing you can hold against them is they're not defensively strong enough yet. And they don't always take their chances. They did in this game. This was a, a beautiful microcosm of what they can be, I think. You say they haven't been strong enough defensively. They've been so much better than last season, Justin. I mean, come on. The, the last season, they conceded 56, whereas the top three all conceded under 40. So that was clearly their big Achilles heel in that case. They were just essentially outscoring teams, weren't they? And, well, earlier in the season, they were just not outscoring teams as freely and still conceding loads. But I think they've been a lot tighter at the back. It's four clean sheets in nine during this run of form, which might not sound like much, but it's a lot better than it was last season. And the underlying data indicates they've been much tighter as well. The two centre-halves, Del Fry, Paddy McNair, have been excellent. The two full-backs have been brilliant as well. Rav van den Berg, in particular, looks a very mm. talented young player. And then Hayden Hackney, Johnny Housen, protecting them in front have been class as well. So that's the big plus for them this season, being much better at the back in recent times. And if they can continue to be as free-flowing in front of goal as they have been, then it's a promising season for Middlesbrough at this early stage. Well, after Leicester's loss, Ipswich have now gone joint top of the championship after beating Swansea 3-2. Ants, three-word review for Ipswich. Hello, Premier League. Kieran's is back on track. Jason says tractor keeps on ploughing. And Willie T says the tractor has been refuelled. What a goal by Jack Taylor that was. That one stayed hit didn't it proper foot like a traction engine stuff and this result gets them back on track after disappointing draws against Birmingham and Rotherham in fact I say back on track I'm not sure they particularly left it because 
they've now had the joint best start to a season after 16 games in championship history. So still clearly not gone that wrong, has it? But let's just take a step back for a second, Justin, and acknowledge how brilliant an achievement it is that three of the top four teams in the championship are newly relegated sides with gigantic budgets Mm -hmm. compared to the rest of the league. And then sat right in amongst them is a newly promoted side who don't have the biggest of budgets with just as many points as any of them. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think this is why you need to praise Ipswich when you can, because this doesn't happen very often. It it really doesn't. When you've got teams coming down from the Premier League, benefiting from parachute payments and their Premier League players and all of the razzmatazz that comes with the top flight, it's it's quite easy. You lose it in amongst, you lose the championship teams in amongst all of that, you know, sparkly glamour um, so a team like Ipswich who have come up from League One who are now mixing it with the big boys and mixing it very very comfortably is 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 absolutely massive and I know people will say oh you go on about Ipswich all the time well it's because they are setting a trend that we're not used to seeing at this at this level how often do we get a team coming from League One and into the Championship and dominating as comfortably as they have been doing you know there are things that they need to be better at not conceding as many goals as one, but we mentioned that in midweek. Um, but they're a side that are forward thinking. They play to the strengths and Kieran McCann is doing it with a budget that is a fraction of what the teams that are around him are operating at. Exactly. Exactly, Justin. And I think you're right. I imagine there might be a small percentage of our listeners who think Norwich we're fans. overpraising them. <laughs> I don't think we're praising them enough, though, because it's genuinely mad how well they've started this season. It would be a much... Imagine... Put yourself in this position. How boring would it be this yeah. season if Ipswich weren't up there? It would be three relegated teams in the top three, which would just not be that exciting at all, would it? The rest of the championship should be applauding Ipswich, really, for taking it to the parachute payment teams. And this is a perfect example of what happens when you have a brilliantly run club with an exceptional manager. And other clubs should be looking at Ipswich and be saying, what are they doing that we're not? Yeah. Will they get promoted this season? I don't know. But, you know, there's still a long way to go. They're still conceding a lot of goals. But the Ipswich are going up tractor is ploughing on at an extraordinary rate. I just want to say it's the right blend of ambition and pragmatism because they're not blowing themselves yeah. out of the out of their own budget. They're sitting within a budget, a modest budget, but a competitive one. But they're showing ambition as well. Um, and I think that's a big thing. And that's why when we talk about ambition, it's not always a case of throw 30 million at a new squad. It's buy the right players, bring in the right manager to play to their strengths and let's see how it goes. And that's that's ambition. It's not it's not always about investing 30, 40 million pounds into your team. It's It's doing it doing it appropriately and doing it right like Luton have like Brentford have it that's that's how Ipswich are sort of are going at the moment I think that's a big big thing yeah and how often do we see fans of other clubs saying oh our club's not spending enough our owners aren't spending enough you don't need to as long as you're spending the money right like Ipswich are then this is what can happen and it's about being ambitious with how you approach these things like getting in a young coach and giving him the chance to <laughs> basically run the club and that's what we're seeing here and it's working absolute wonders isn't it a quick word on Swansea Justin how are we feeling about them they had that disaster start didn't they where Michael Duff nearly lost his job then won four on the bounce but it is now one win in five so what's the general vibe you're getting from Swansea they're going to go through these patches, aren't they? It's just going to be a case. It's a transition season, I think, for for Swansea, and they've not had a. I don't think they've had a, a more radical 
uh, changed than this uh, than they have experienced in the summer than they have done in the last four or five years they've basically got a new squad it's a new manager of a new style of play you're going from Russell Martin Ball to Michael Duff Ball completely different um, different styles of play that's a big thing but they're still in games they're not being blown away in this poor run so they're going to go through they're going to go through the motions they're going to go through these periods where they're going to win three on the trot lose three on the trot it's going to happen You've just got to keep the faith and know that they're going in the right direction because I truly, truly believe that under Michael Duff. And we've criticised the board in the past, but actually I, I think it's worth praising them because they stuck by Duff when they could have easily sacked him. They've invested money into the squad. Yeah, it's, it's a thumbs up from me so far. Obviously, if it continues, then we can we can be concerned. And if performances are still poor, we can be. But for me, I'm content. I'm all right with it. I don't think performances have even been that poor, Justin. No, it's, okay. it's one win in five, but two of the losses in that time came against Ipswich and Leicester which you know isn't anything to be disappointed about judging on how those teams have to how those two teams have started the season i mean injuries haven't helped recently either but i mean i look at this Swansea team and i like it there's a lot of young talent in this side i've been very impressed with Josh Key and Bashir Humphreys at the back uh, Charlie Patino's a highly rated young player Josh Timon someone i think is quite underrated and then you've got some experience like Jamal Lowe, Matt Grimes, who are just very proven players at this level. They might be a bit weak going forwards, but overall, I like the look of this squad. Michael Duff is a good manager. I think the top six is probably unlikely for them this season, but I could quite feasibly see them beating 10th place from last season because all the ingredients are here for that kind of season. It's Everything just gets a big thumbs up from me at Swansea. It's not possibly going to steal the headlines this season but it's certainly going in the right direction and it could have gone all cataclysmically wrong after the summer that they had but exactly. it's not and exactly. that's a very good thing let's go back to the promotion race justin and talk about leeds who made it six wins from seven after beating plymouth to one joe's three-word review for leeds closing the gap i mean technically they're not because they've not gained any <laughs> any <laughs> yes but no yeah, <laughs> I get the point, Joe, but technically not, you know, gaining any ground on Ipswich, who were the team who are next up for you. But you see my point. Um, a comfortable first half for Leeds before a bit of a nervy second half. I don't think they were great here, but they still got the results. And that's the main thing, isn't it? Because that's the thing that will see them catch up with the likes of Leicester and Ipswich. Still getting wins, even when they're not playing at their best. Yeah, I, do. I mean, the thing that I want to point out is some of the football in the first half was so bloody good. Some of the interchanges and exchanges of passing was was incredible. I mean, the first goal was made by a, a really lovely one-two from Somerville and Rutter, and obviously they forced a mistake. And then the second one, again, was, was just a really lovely interchange and then Piro's through. So, yeah, th- those are the positives there with Leeds. But I think Plymouth being Plymouth, they're going to be in the game no matter what the scoreline. You could be four or five nil up and they'll still make it a bit uncomfortable for you. So whilst it's um, whilst I think the first half was good and the second half was okay, um, I don't think it's anything to, to be too frustrated by. But I, I, I like this Leeds team. They they show what they can do. And I think Daniel Farker did a did a good job in managing the or getting the team to manage the second half because you're right, it could have gone wrong. It didn't. I thought they played but they deserved the win is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I think they probably deserved the win. I think they probably did just enough to do that, but it still wasn't great compared to the leads that we've seen on a few occasions now this season. At the end of the day, they have so much more quality that it should lead to them getting wins even when they're not playing well, which is a good thing because, as we keep saying, they can't afford many slip-ups. I mean, they've won six from seven now, which is 
remarkable form, but that's the form they need to be producing because of how ridiculously good the top two have been. And I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but that's just the standard that's been set by the top two, isn't it? Yeah, Which they're yeah, having yeah. to match, or even better at this point. By all means, don't interpret that as me taking anything away from Leeds because they have, for the most part, been brilliant on this seven-game run. They just have to keep doing it if they're going to make up for this eight-point gap. It's a difficult thing to do in the Championship. We all know that. And I think this game shows you that if you if you do take your foot off the gas, if you do get a little bit complacent, then then teams are going to gonna get... Gonna, get their tails up and they're going to make it uncomfortable for you like Plymouth did and I think that's just a reminder going into the next game so I think you know rather than say they didn't play well I think Daniel Fark will probably take more out of that second half than he did the first half because he knows what Leeds are capable of we all know what Leeds are capable of that was the first half now we know what they're also capable of if they if they don't if they don't set the standards high um, and like you said they need to set their standards high if they're going to keep uh, keep closing that gap between them and the top two Tom's three word review for Plymouth Impress, lose, repeat. And I think Tom has hit the nail right on the head there, Anti. I'm losing count of the number of times I've seen Plymouth play well and not get a good a good result. It's quite a frustrating trend that has massively developed this season, Justin. Well, it's like that lad who was wearing chinos who got abused for it, isn't it, in the in the crowd. He, he, he thinks he looks good. He looks good. I, I like chinos. But he's getting the, the rip taken out of him from Leeds fans. And it's going to leave Rightly you going so, away. I say. Yes. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> no chinos at football? Come on. No, not for me. Ryan. Come on now. It, it, it's it's very much a jeans kind of sport, I think. Just, I, yeah. Black maybe, pair of jeans. Maybe rugby and cricket's more chino and maybe football's more jeans. But I think chinos, they, you've got to... Carlos Corbran more chinos. He's a, he's a Bielsa disciple. I just think that chinos needs to be more it, respected. Though. No, Corbran can get away with it because... He rocked it. He owned that look when he was... Uh, is he still doing it now? I'm not sure he is necessarily doing it now. It might be a dark chino. When you're going to Leeds away and you're on the front row and your team's losing 2-0, yeah, I, I think uh, you can expect to get some sort of stick on that, on that front. So, so what you're trying to say is if you're going to wear chinos, wear it to the right game and sit in the right place. It's just too much of a risk, isn't it? <laughs> you know? But my point being is that he is right. Plymouth are going to play well. They are going to do well. Um, and they are going to come up against it. And they are going to get punished because they show naivety at times. I mentioned the Dan James goal as a perfect example. Lead sliced through them. Plymouth defenders should have cleared it. Didn't, got punished. You don't get punished for moments like that in League One all the time you do in the Championship. And that's the thing. So you've got to make sure you're more streetwise. And streetwise means not giving those chances away, not wearing chinos to, to lead away. Exactly. Very valid point there. I do think, I, I, on, in all honesty, I do think that is a very valid point. You know, when you are in League One and you make those kind of mistakes, it might not necessarily get punished. When you're coming up against Crescencio, Somerville, you know, Jorginho Ruta, Joel Pirro, players who possibly should be in the Premier League, then that's when you're going to get exposed for those kind of mistakes. They are going forwards in attack. They're incredible going forwards in attack, aren't they? They've got so much talent in attack and it's defensively where they have been really poor. And I admire the way they approach games. It's obviously the reason why they're not picking up as many points as they should be, though. And I do think it is a game management thing. I think something it's something Stephen Schumacher needs to work on. He is a young manager. We shouldn't forget that. And I think that does count for something in this case. And he'll be quite clearly learning a lot from yeah. his team after this first 16 games. I don't think they'll go down. In fact, I'm certain 
they won't go down. I, I think they're just too good to be in serious danger of actually getting relegated. Results could and should be a lot better, though. And first and foremost, that's got to be, uh, you know, you know, tightening up at the back has got to be the first thing they've got to do in that respect, isn't it? Southampton have now gone eight league games unbeaten for the first time in eight years after beating West Brom 2-1. SCFC Dan's three-word review played awful, won. Uh, which I think is another very good summary. It was a great win for Southampton against a very tough West Brom side who have been flying recently. They weren't at their best though, but similarly to Leeds, if they want to catch the top two, they need games like this, don't they? Where they don't play brilliantly, but still pick up three points. Well, if this game was in mid-September, West Brom would have won that three, four, one. So you've got to, you've got to talk about the character and the ability to, to grind things out. Now it's such a stark change, and I mentioned it before. And when you consider that West Brom have been really good form lately, three clean sheets in four going into the game, one three on the bounce. It was a hard game, but Southampton dug in there, and that's a, that's a big thing. And they've allowed their quality to be on display, which again is is a huge positive. It's just about making sure you don't allow those sorts of games to become. A repeat. So I know form-wise, Southampton have been a little bit hit and miss in certain um, games. They've not been consistent throughout the 90 minutes is what I'm trying to say. Because Russell Martin said it himself. He was really frustrated, I think, with the second half of this game. He's going back to Preston. He did say something similar against Preston as well. So it's just about, again, like Leeds, like Leicester, it's about making sure your standards are, are consistently high. You don't allow it to drop even when you're playing against those good teams. Because the good teams will punish you. West Brom almost did. Um, so it's about taking it, taking a big learning from it. So it, whilst it's a positive, you just can't allow it to become a mindset. Yeah, I, th- I think they're getting there with being tighter at the back, which is what was their big Achilles heel earlier in the season. Still scoring plenty of goals. The scary thing is they've still got Ross Stewart to come yeah. back into the team. He made his debut against West Brom after recovering from an Achilles injury, which has kept him out of action for essentially the whole of this calendar year. And if we get the Ross Stewart we saw for Sunderland last season, Southampton will be absolutely pissing themselves because he is a beast, isn't he? Call me crazy, Ryan. Call me crazy. But I still think he's got a chance of... I still think he's got a chance of getting a golden boot. Come on. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. That is crazy because doing it with, what, two-thirds of the season to play is an outrageous shout. But... Yeah. He was scoring a lot of goals at Sunderland, wasn't he? Keep him fit. You get him fit. You keep him fit. And he plays every game for between now and the end of the season. He hits 20 goals. Sammy Schmodix is top, sco- top goal scorer now with 10, I think. Not an out-and-out goal scorer. Uh, not an out-and-out striker is currently leading the charts. Ross Stewart comes in, plays in his Southampton team. Even if they don't create chances, he'll put them away. If they do create chances, he'll put them away. He's going to score goals. So I'm mad for thinking it. I believe it. Ross Stewart's going to get golden boot. Clip it. Cite it. It's there. <laughs> Gladly. <laughs> yeah, I think I think when he gets into the team, he will score a lot of goals. Golden boot is quite an outrageous shout at this stage. But, you know, prove me wrong. There's a reason he's called the Loch Ness Drugba. Because he is a beast, isn't he? Um, did you see that was there was a Southampton fan who fell asleep? at this game led to West Brom fans chanting he's still asleep he's still asleep he's still asleep <laughs> great stuff from the West Brom fans but it got me wondering what's the strangest place you've ever fallen asleep Justin yeah that's an interesting one I've um, if anyone frequents Nottingham on nights out I fell asleep in Rock City once on a student night out 
not mm. sure if I was genuinely tired or fairly inebriated. I can't quite remember. You, on the other hand, you're worse. You're quite bad. You fall asleep anywhere. We went. You yeah, went missing for about eight hours on one night out. You went to sleep in the wrong apartment. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Yeah, I forgot about that. You went missing. <laughs> we, we 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 tracked Nottingham for you for about seven or eight hours. It was a long time you were out for. No, that that wasn't down to me being asleep. That was just me being extremely drunk and yeah. then just falling asleep in someone's kitchen. I think it was, mm. um, and then someone just walking in and saying, "Who are you?" Um, <laughs> leading to me walking out. But I've also I've fallen asleep in a nightclub. It was during a stage in my life where I was regularly reading the breakfast news bulletins on the radio. So I was getting very little sleep at that time. <laughs> also going to bed ridiculously early. The rock and roll lifestyle didn't suit those working hours. But yeah, I, it's caught up with you, hasn't it? I, I do have a tendency to fall asleep on nights out. Yeah. You're bad at it. You're, you're all bad at it. Yeah. And as I say, it's caught up with you. You look horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> Just a, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about Matt Taylor's potential sacking at Rotherham, if it's not been confirmed yet by the time you listen to this. And also Wayne Rooney and the latest with him at Birmingham. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Justin, we've just spent the ad break there trying to figure out where the tune from he's still asleep he's still asleep mm. he's still asleep comes from and it's on the tip of my tongue but i just cannot think of it do you do you think it's a chart song or, or like a, a song no, from previous I decades do, yeah. or are you thinking another chant no because i was just chatting to producer finn then and he reckons it's just a generic football chant song i, think I don't it think is. it is i think it's an actual song i think it's just a generic football chant because there's no i can't think of any word like a a love song or a romance song do or anything like that fitting into that no. no, it is. No, it's like a kid playing it on like a, a keyboard. This isn't the end of this. This isn't the end of this. I will get back to, back to you on this. Watford 5, Rotherham 0. It's the result, which has reportedly led to Matt Taylor's sacking as Rotherham manager. The Daily Mail say he's been dismissed after just two wins from 12 games this season. Now, at the time of recording, 
hasn't been confirmed yet by Rotherham, but it looks like it is the end of the Matt Taylor era at the New York Stadium. And with that being said, Justin, are you surprised? I mean, not particularly. Let's let's look at results. They haven't been good enough. Performances haven't been good enough. We keep hearing from Rotherham fans that they have been good enough in home games, but quite frankly, they haven't. Um, and I know... I know fans have started turning against Matt Taylor in recent weeks. They've been frustrated with um, team selection. They've been frustrated with personnel being in the wrong positions. And I understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, you also have to recognise that this squad just isn't good enough to compete at this level. I've said it a thousand times and I'll keep on saying it because that for me is the the symptom and remedy for this scenario that Rotherham find themselves in. They are not good enough to compete at this level um, on a squad basis quality just isn't there the depth isn't there either and unfortunately you've got Matt Taylor who hasn't got the relevant experience to tap into the quality that he does have if that makes sense you know we're looking at managers who are getting a bit extra out of players don't think Matt Taylor's got enough experience to do that unfortunately especially not at championship level so I think it's that sort of storm that's come together and that might be why he might be on his way out at this point um, until it's confirmed but at the end of the day there's a man available who is very, very obviously going to get this job. <laughs> is it uh, Mr. Warnock by any chance? Yeah, it rhymes with Schmil Schmornock. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I will disagree with you, Justin. I think it is surprising in the sense that Rotherham are traditionally a very patient club. They haven't actually sacked a manager since 2016, which is in large part down to Paul Warren being there for so long, who of course left to go to Derby. But on the other hand, I suppose it's not that surprising because Rotherham have been awful so far. Mm. I actually think they've been playing at a similar level to Sheffield Wednesday with how badly mm-hmm. they've started. And it's been a bit strange because we've said repeatedly how bad Rotherham have been playing and Rotherham fans have disagreed with us, but then they're also chanting for Matt Taylor to go. So yeah. Yeah. I think some, something's, something's right there. It's worth um, pointing out just before as well, they spent a fair bit of money for Rotherham as well in the summer. They, they broke the record, transfer a record twice. And that's, a, that's going to be a, a key figure in that as well. Yeah, and going forwards, they've offered very little. The goals yeah. have mainly come from hopeful crosses into the box or shots from distance. Very leaky at the back. Their away form is horrendously bad. Off point from eight games on their travels. I, I think they've got a whole year now without winning a game yeah. on the road as well. So, I mean, in fairness, they have been playing better recently, but that has been completely undermined by losing 5-0 to a fairly unremarkable Watford side. At the end of the day, are Rotherham going to stay up if they keep playing like they have? Absolutely no chance. So that's why a change is needed. I feel sorry for Matt Taylor because I think he's a good manager, but they didn't have an amazing transfer window despite spending a a fair bit of money by Rotherham Mm -hmm. standards. And that's why the squad is not in a great state in its own right. And he didn't have much to work with, but, you know, at the same time, he's not been doing a very good job in himself because look at the results. Um, So who do they get in next? Justin, you've put your neck on the line and... Thought Mr. Schmornock might come in. <laughs> Schmiel Schmornock. Yeah, I mean, look, it's really obvious, isn't it? Let's be honest. We don't need to. We don't. We just don't need to keep doing this, list. though. We keep linking him to every single job that goes, and then they just turn their nose up at him. But it's been a. Like, I've been surprised that QPR and Sheffield Wednesday have both made relatively progressive appointments, young coaches, quite early on in their uh, in their careers, and 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 you know quite forward-thinking styles of play. Um, whereas they both needed Neil Warnock. They, they should guarantee to stay in the championship, but they've taken risks. I don't think Rotherham do will do think, that. Though, do you not think that Warnock is more, more likely to get a job in March time or around that time when 
I know, keep your sack, Sifuentes. Yeah, that is the Neil Warnock transfer window, isn't it? It's the March. Um, probably more likely, but why not get him in now? He can shape your transfer window in January and he's going to have a good second half of the season because he's going to get your team tight. He's going to tighten the team up and he's going to get more out of the players that are there. I like Fred Onyedima, but he's been poor. Jordan Hugo will score quite a handful of goals, a big handful of goals, so just, you know, grape-sized goals, shall we say, a handful of grape-sized goals um, for Rotherham. <laughs> um, and, and as I say, they, they, they will concede less. And Sean Morrison's there as well, so there's a, there's a, um, a, a reunion there for, for, for Warnock and him. So, yeah, it makes sense, and it, it does give Rotherham a huge, huge opportunity to get out, uh, stay out of this division at the potential expense of Huddersfield, which, from his point of view, I imagine might be amusing. I'm not sure they will go to Warnock to be honest I, I just think it's I, I don't think it would be a very rather a move for them to go and press the Warnock button this early on in the season you look at when they lost to Paul Warren last year they went for Mark Bonner first didn't they of Cambridge True. before settling for Matt Taylor yeah. so I would imagine they're going to shop in the same kind of market again lower league managers who have done really well with a small budget and try to see if they can replicate that in the championship. Is it going to work? Is it the right way to go? I don't know. But I imagine that's where Rotherham will go to again. Um, whoever comes in has got their hands full with this squad. I can certainly say that for sure because it is a threadbare squad with not much quality in it. So whoever does come in, if they do manage to keep this Rotherham team up, will have pulled off one hell of a job. Uh, but let's give some credit to Watford, a team who have struggled to find the back of net on plenty of occasions this season, but have also recorded two of the biggest victories of the season, 5-0 against Rotherham and 4-0 against QPR in the opening day. They're, they're, I just find them to be a very strange side, Justin. Flat track bullies. Uh, you are right, they are a strange side because they are defensively pretty decent in this division. They've got some quality in abundance, but I just felt in this game, they played to the strengths of the players that they've got. Ken Semmer putting in early balls for Milita Rajevic and Rajevic putting them away. You play to their strengths, you're going to score goals, you're going to create yourself chances anyway. And then they showed later on in the game that they have got quality in abundance because Tom Ince, I mean, it's inevitable that Tom Ince is going to score against Rotherham. He scored nine career goals against them now um, and obviously Mateus Martins as well they've got quality it's just about Ishmael finding the right blend being brave with the ball playing to his play strengths I still think he's finding his, he's finding his feet with the squad which has surprised me a little bit but at the same time it's a squad that's been put together by several different managers several different technical directors and recruitment teams um, it's just a mishmash and you can see it in the performances whereas you play to his strengths this is what you get yeah that, that's a very Simple. fair point to make Justin and I I just find them curious because you've got a striker like Mileta Rajevic who only completed three passes despite <laughs> being on the pitch for 86 minutes but also scored two goals. Yeah. And then you've got Ken Seema who's the kind of guy who can go several games looking very ordinary but then all of a sudden look like prime Ryan Giggs. I just don't honestly <laughs> don't know what to make of them anymore. They're unbeaten in six but it doesn't feel like they're playing well. And the club's a bit of a mess on the pitch as we saw with the whole Ben Manga situation and giving Ishmael a contract after 11 points or what have you. But at the same time, they're not capitulating. I just can't make head nor tail of them. What I can say is they have got some very talented players. Wesley Hoyt and Ryan Porteous, for me, one of the best centre-back pairings in the division. Ryan Andrews is an excellent young fullback. Jake Livermore has been brilliant since coming in for yeah, Watford. There's a lot of good in this Watford team. Don't let that take away from the fact, though, that they're probably the strangest team in the championship this season because I just cannot make 
just cannot make sense to them because I just cannot work out if they're any good. Impossible to analyse is basically the best way yeah. of describing them. They're impossible yeah. to analyse. They are really, they? really are. <laughs> uh, Wayne Rooney's Birmingham have now picked up just one point in his first five games in charge. The latest defeat coming away at Sunderland. 3-1 it finished. When he was appointed, I did say there was a strong chance he could lose his first five games. Well, he's proved me wrong because he's lost his first four and drawn one. So, in my face. But it's not been an ideal start, has it, Justin? Despite proving me wrong. I mean, you're going to take something from it. It's going to be that because you're a smug little so-and-so and that's a nice thing to take away. If he's, if anyone wants to tell Wayne Rooney, then, then tell him that. But for the most part, for 90% of it, you are correct. He has had a really tough run of fixtures, which makes the appointment timing even more bizarre from, from Gary Cook because that's the finger I'm pointing at is Gary Cook, the CEO. But in this game alone, we just saw more of the same that we we saw in the first couple of games from Wayne Rooney, where they were completely out of it. Um, Didn't really see much organisation in defensive setup. Joe Bellingham's goal proved that, and he nearly scored again doing the same thing. Um, I think it was the second goal where it was a deep crossing by Patrick Roberts. No one's gone near him. Um, There's just so much disorganisation, and that's just single moments, whereas actually collectively, performance-wise... They're just not competing enough. Or, well, just not competing enough. I think that's the, the the key thing. And he's mentioned team fitness. Was the team fitter under John Eustace, or were they not as fit under John Eustace? But they were getting more results. It's just some some interesting things coming out of Wayne Rooney. And in, I just, yeah, I mean, we said we've said it all before with Wayne Rooney in Birmingham. It just it's not quite fitting yet, and it's not going to quite fit yet for a while, um, which makes the appointment timing just bizarre. Hmm. In fairness to Rooney, it has been an incredibly tough start, hasn't it? Middlesbrough Hall, Southampton, Ipswich and Sunderland. That's a really tough first five games. So while you will get football banter accounts on Twitter or X saying, lol, they've dropped from 5th to 18th since Rooney's come in, there is context that needs to be added here. However, at the same time, it is fair to point out that they've been second best in just about each game. And also for Blues fans to ask, you know, well, how many points would John Eustace have got here? Probably more than just one, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, the good news for him is the fixtures are a lot kinder after this international break. They've got Sheffield Wednesday at home. Blackburn away is quite a tricky one, but then it's Rotherham at home, which is a bit of a gimme based on their away form. And then Coventry away, who just can't score. So if Birmingham are still struggling after that, then it's time to panic. Right now, I'd just say it's been disappointing. We've not really seen no fear football at all. And they've been largely second best in each game. It's got to be better, hasn't it, for, you know, the Rooney excitement to finally arrive from when his appointment was made, which I think the Birmingham hierarchy were expecting, but based off what we've seen, it's just not happened. Uh, Sunderland back in the top six after this result. They're a comfortable win, and they did it despite Jack Clark having a bit of an off day by his usual excellent standards. It was a bit of a dreams come true afternoon for Dan Neal in midfield, who was captaining the side for the first time, 21 years old, born in South Shields, grew up as a Sunderland fan. There's a brilliant picture that I think we tweeted earlier on in the week of him as a kid supporting Sunderland at Wembley for what I assume is the 2014 League Cup final. And here he was leading the team out for this game. He's an excellent player, isn't he, Justin? Living the dream of thousands of young Sunderland fans. Yeah, he is. He is. He's, it's, it's every, I mean, it's, it's a cliche to say it, but everyone dreams of it. I mean, I'd have loved to have captain Derby at some point, but 
you know, just just maybe not right now. Not right now, no. Well, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sell myself for it at the moment. But it, it, it's massive, and uh, to do it as such a good midfielder that he is as well. He's he's not, he's not a gimme. It's not because he's, you know, he's he's, he's a homegrown talent. He, he's genuinely a very very gifted footballer. And I think was it last season? It must have been last season because something came back into the championship. I predicted him to be playing the England squad at some point and I do believe that at some point he will get his opportunity whether he's at Sunderland or elsewhere because we see late bloomers all the time um, get their chances uh, and he, you know, he's got the chance to follow in the footsteps of other ex-academy players from Sunderland getting into the England setup. it's a good academy at Sunderland one that goes under the radar quite significantly but Dan Neal's just another example of the good work they do up there Chris Riggs coming through as well we've got to point him out yeah well, I'm a big fan of Dan Neal's he's brilliant at playing the ball around but this season He's been running with it a bit more as well and yeah. just been a lot more direct. Pretty remarkable, really, that you have a midfield like Sunderland's, which dominates games as much as them, despite usually being made up of two 21-year-olds and an 18-year-old. But, you know, <laughs> a hell of a lot of young talent at Sunderland. Dan Neal is right up there amongst the best. Norwich won for just the second time in 11 games by beating Cardiff 3-2. A big result for David Wagner after Norwich's recent form. But has it come too little too late? Because, of course, this weekend has finally seen Norwich change sporting director. Ben Napper is joining the club this week after holding several roles at Arsenal. So put yourself in the shoes of Ben Napper, Justin. After this result, do you or don't you sack David Wagner? It's like a game show. Do you or don't you? Yes, I sack him. Unfortunately, I like David Wagner. He comes across as a really nice guy, really nice, genuine human being. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's anything to do with him. I just think the club needs a reset, a significant reset, a major reset. Top to tail, change the colours of the walls in, 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 the, in the training grounds and the stadiums. It needs a complete reset. Stuart Webber's going, Ben Napper's coming in, go again, because they need it. They're just drifting around, floating, doing nothing. And that's what's going to happen if they don't control um, the next phase, the next chapter of the football club. Um, and Ben Napper's got a chance to do it. And unfortunately, David Wagner's going to be the fall guy for the first decision, or I think he should be the fall guy for the first decision to come in um, because it, it needs a fresh reset. Or unless he you know, keeps Wagner in to handle this process of him coming into the club. But for me, new manager, new colour of the walls, jobs are good in. Yeah, not sure about the colour of the ball. I think that's fine, personally. <laughs> but, I mean, he's got to go, hasn't he? For me, personally, they should have sacked him in the summer. But the decision to get rid of him has been overdue for a good couple of weeks now. So, in my mind, the only way he could possibly save his job would have been if he pulled off an incredible performance against Cardiff. And it was definitely good, but I don't think it was above the threshold of... No. Saving a job saving performance. Yeah. I mean, they still conceded two goals, so the problems at the back are still very much there. And it would be great for Ben Napper to undermine his start in a new role by keeping Wagner on and then them losing the next few weeks. But, you know, he's got a chance here to start afresh and bring in his own man. So that's why Norwich need a big reset. And this is where it's got to start, in my view. Three-word review for Cardiff from Welsh Mafia. Didn't turn up. Uh, it was a great start for the new Millwall manager, Joe Edwards. They won 4-0 away at Sheffield Wednesday. Owls three-word review. We are back. And it was a very... Impressive first outing for Joe Edwards on his club managerial debut. Of course, we can caveat it by saying it's only Sheffield Wednesday, but could not have gone much better for Big Joe, could it? Oh, I think it's what you get when you play to your individual strength. It's a big thing. You saw the amount of times Brooknut and Cuffey got the ball and, and drove into advanced wide areas. It just felt a little bit fresher. And I think Gary Rowett or the previous tenure um, 
were probably safety first. And I don't think Joe Edwards wasn't particularly safety first. It was just a case of, you got some good players, let's play to their strengths. I know it's quite a, an obvious and basic thing to say, but sometimes you just need a new manager to come in and implement fresh ideas. And it felt like we saw elements of that. I know it's only um, the first game, but we just saw elements of it. Um, and it's it's a, it's a big win. It's a big win. And the pressure is lifted off him now to go to, uh, to go into the next game. He's got two weeks off as well, which is which is huge. Yeah. I found it interesting that Wednesday had 59% possession because Edwards has said he wants his side to play a bit more and that would indicate that wasn't really the case here. However, he might just be looking at it and thinking we need to slowly ease into this new way of playing. So I wouldn't blame him for not dominating possession. I mean, they won 4-0, so who really cares there? But they might be a bit more possession heavy in the long term. I mean, as far as first proper days at work go, it was spot on, really, wasn't it? 4-0 away, win from home superb so yeah a very good start to Joe Edwards as reign as Millwall boss Sheffield Wednesday remain bottom of the table with six points three points from an available 15 for Danny Rule they are playing better under him but they're gonna have to really rule up their sleeves to get out of the position they're currently in Liam Manning's first game in charge of Bristol City was a lot less eventful 0-0 away at QPR Wycam's three-word review for QPR Hope, reality, despair. <laughs> That's the spirit. A 91st minute winner from Liam Delap saw Hull beat Huddersfield 1-0. I'll tell you what, Justin, I am thoroughly enjoying Liam Delap being amongst the goals. He's got three in his last five now, which, look at him last season, would have been yeah. unthinkable, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's hit two winners now, to the best of my knowledge. Obviously, Leicester away earlier on in the season being the other. I think it's just about developing consistency. It's a hard thing to do. He's, he's 20, 21 years old. Um, he's, he's a kid. He's still a kid. And, you know, we alluded to it earlier on in the episode. I fell asleep in nightclubs at 20, 21 years old. Liam Delap scoring winners in, in the championship. It's chalk and cheese. And that's a lot of pressure for a, for a young lad to, to, to crack on with. And he's, and he's doing it. Yeah, some of us fall asleep in nightclubs and here he is just banging them in for fun, isn't he? And he's yeah. properly flourishing for Hull now, isn't he? The Liam Delap of last season would not have scored five goals at this stage in the season. But no. Liam Rosinio has given him confidence and said, you're one of our main men this season and it's working, isn't he? He's the kind of player championship neutrals should want to do well as well because, <laughs> look, he's had his knockbacks after it not working at Preston Stoke last season. Now he's showing what he's all about after... That's a cool hero as well. And his dad's a cool hero. I mean, the lap hasn't got this. The lap hasn't got the long throws that his dad once had. That we know of. No, no. Oh, good point. Good point. It may be inherited. <laughs> Maybe part of the genes. Uh, but he's scoring goals, and that's all the Hull fans will be caring about. And it's very exciting for Hull fans because if he's got his shooting boots on this season, then that is a huge, huge boost. Um, this was Hull's third win in four. They're up to eighth now. Huddersfield Town family's three-word review. Huddersfield Town nil. Yeah, becoming a bit of a regular thing. Mm -hmm. It's not looking good for Huddersfield. One win in nine for them. 21st with a four-point cushion on the bottom three. Quite fortunate, really, that the bottom three are so poor, but they've got to be careful not to outpour them. Um, on Friday night, we saw a Lancashire derby between Blackbird and Preston. It finished 2-1 to North End, thanks to a 90th-minute winner from Liam Lindsay. Chris's three-word review for Preston. Derby day delight and back-to-back -back wins Preston now just and they had gone seven games without a win prior to this Alan Brown has now got two goals in two games and I tell you what he has been playing out of his skin recently and he's uh, he's been a stalwart for Preston over mm. the years hasn't he could we even go as far to say a Preston legend Ooh, I mean 
I mean, what makes you a legend at a football club? Do you have to achieve something or do you just have to be consistent for a long period of time? It's very uh, hard to, you know... He's definitely been consistent for a long period yeah, of time. Right, okay. We can definitely say that. Whether he's up alongside the likes of Tom Finney, I'm not too sure. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's a he's a, he's a modern day legend, I suppose. Modern day legend. Yeah, we'll go with that. Especially, I mean, his touch for that goal was just outstanding. So if he can continue to do that, then absolutely throw the... Throw the um, throw the, the legend status at him but he's, he's, he's well he has been playing well I mean I criticised him a lot last season which is you know he, he didn't really impress me um, but this season he has been much much better and I think you know, the form that Preston are now going into is, is a big thing for them because there were calls well not calls but there were questions of potentially sacking Ryan Lowe from some supporters which just blew my mind yeah, yeah, blew my mind as well. But I think Alan Brown, I think he's out of contract at the end of this season, but he's someone who they should definitely be looking to stick around. Just because he's, he's been Mr. Preston over the past few years and just continues to be playing at such a high level for them. And the final game of the weekend, Coventry v Stoke also ended goalless. Quite unbelievable how bad Coventry have been at putting the ball in the back of the net recently. This was the fourth game in five where they failed to score. And creating chances hasn't been a problem. They just can't put them away, despite spending so much money on strikers in the summer. Now it's time for the polls. This is the part of the show where we'll give the listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts and everything to do with the championship. So the first question we asked was this. Who's going to finish second this season? Ipswich, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton. Leeds. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Leeds fans there have <laughs> had to decide between... <laughs> voting for themselves to finish second or whether they think they're going to finish top of the pile. Um, but it's not split the vote at all. 52% of people said Leeds, 26% said Ipswich, 11% for Leicester and Southampton. Uh, should David Wagner still be sacked by Norwich despite winning this weekend? Yes or no? I already said yes. He should be a martyr for a new regime. We've had an EU referendum result, ladies and gentlemen. 51% said no. 49% said yes. Recency bias. It's a thing. And finally, do you like Greg's? Yes, no, meh. Nah, hate Greg's. I don't really hate Greg's. I hate it. Yeah. This comes after we were talking about it in midweek. I came out with the uh, shout that Greg's is ridiculously overrated. And I still stand by that. Once say I'm no on the whole Greg's situation. I'm more of a meh kind of guy personally but 77% of people said yes they do like Greg's 9% said no 14% said meh which I think is kind of the same thing no and meh nothing nothing with flavour in their in their repertoire from my point of view and I think that's the key thing for me just 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 pastry and meat that's all it is (laughs) now it's time for this hi Simon Grayson and Ed Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. We're not being sponsored by Greg's anytime soon, I've just been informed. Um, so this is the part of the show where I'm going to ask Justin to name eight of a certain subject. All he's got to do is name all eight. So, for example, if I would say name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs, he would say Villa, that's one down, Newcastle, another down. But if Justin were to then say Weymouth, he would lose a life. So all he needs to do is give me all eight answers without losing all of his lives. Before we start, we're opening the floor to you, listener. Have you ever fancied making a Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight for us? then send in your questions and we may very well read them out on air. Email secondtierpod at gmail.com. Put Hateful Eight in the subject and you could feature in an episode soon. You've got two weeks with the international break, so get sending and uh, we may very well read out your question and give you a shout out here in the podcast. But this is a good question, Justin. I'm giving you three lives on this because it's tricky, but I'm very proud 
of this. Play along at home. Let us know how many you get on this. There are eight players who are currently playing club football outside of England and have 10 or more caps for the three Lions. Can you <laughs> name them? There are eight players playing outside of England and I've got 10 or more caps. Yeah, Joe that's Hart's exactly what I just said. Yeah, Thank yeah, you yeah. I've got to repeat. It. Get it in my head. Okay. Yeah, this, this process. Joe Hart is one of them. Joe Hart is correct. I thought that one might get you a bit unstuck, Justin, but 75 caps. Currently north of the border at Celtic. He is third in terms of the most caps. Now I can't think of anybody else. Good. Joe I mean, Bellingham. Come on now. Brown yeah, I was going to say. Jude Bellingham. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Not Joe. Uh, yeah, 27 <laughs> caps already and is now the best player in the board at Real Madrid. He's sixth on a, the list of the most caps. Next one, Justin. Harold Kane. Yep, former Leicester striker Harry Kane, 87 caps, currently banging them in for fun at Bayern Munich. He is top for the most caps. Three down, five to go. Ooh, now we're now we're uh, now we're now we're in a troubled territory. Um, mm. Crikey, I am now struggling. All I can think of is uh, Adam Lathondra. He never played for England. Um, are you are you shouting him? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, I'm trying to think of MLS players. Uh, Wrong. Don't don't go over don't, there. Don't don't go to the US. Do not think public MLS. service announcement. Um, oh my Does goodness! It help if I tell you they're all playing in Europe apart from one. They're all playing in Europe apart from one. So where is this? Where is this? Where is this other player playing? Um, are there any more in Germany? Dortmund. No. Oh my goodness! I'm have to push you, Justin. You're Mrs. very much stalling here. I am stalling. I am stalling. What are you having for tea, Ryan? Let's talk about that. Um, beef bourguignon. But that's not got anything to do with the uh, the quiz here. Please shout a player. Adam Lafondre. Uh, Adam Lafondre is surprisingly not correct. That's one life down. Craig Noon. Craig Noon is also <laughs> not correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's recently. another life down um, oh no now I can't think of any random players um, oh Anthony Pilkington oh no oh, he played for Ireland. Ireland yeah and he played for Ireland <laughs> <laughs> an even more pathetic shout uh, a pretty poor showing there actually Justin I, I thought you'd get more than that it was a difficult question I wasn't expecting you to get them all but I thought you did better than that the players you were looking for Jordan Henderson, 80 oh. caps. Yeah, less said about where he's playing, the better. Uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, 35 caps. Completely his trade forgot he existed. Yeah, yeah forgot I existed. would not blame you for not getting that one. Chris Smalling, 31 oh. caps. Yeah, over at Roma. Uh, Tammy Abraham. Yeah. yeah. Roma yeah. as well. Got 11 caps, surprisingly, which I was a bit, a bit caught off guard by. And the final one was Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Ten caps, doing very well over at AC Milan. That's annoying because I, I cover I cover Serie A football quite a lot, and I've covered AC Milan quite a lot. Um, oh dear. Yeah, that's um, that's frustrating. I apologise, but Craig Noon got a shout. Anthony Pilton got a shout. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Adam Lafondre. I thought you were close with that, but as far as I'm aware, he's got no caps for England. So, Should have though. You know, 
He should have, yeah. Get him off the bench. Get him in the squad for next summer. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. And we'll be back again on Thursday, where we'll be doing a Second Tier Meet. Who is it, you may ask? Hmm. Oh, you'll have to find out on Thursday. Um, but as always, if you won't mind giving us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on, it helps us go a long way to grow in as a podcast. And we'll be eternally grateful for that. So we look forward to speaking to you again on Thursday to keep you entertained during this long, lonely international break. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.